Hi there. <coughs> Welcome back. Thanks for 173k. Sorry, I just lost. The glyphs have been found in them, nor in the other pyramids for that matter, the megalithic ones, that suggest that they're a tomb, that kings' names aren't on them. We know what old kingdom tombs look like. There are old kingdom tombs at the Giza Plateau. Covered in glyphs. There's no evidence that they're that they're tombs. It's so strange that that's the prevailing theory when there's almost there's just no evidence for it. No bodies, no nothing. You say they're tombs, and Google might say they're tombs, and uh, the mainstream guys might say they're tombs, but there's very, very little evidence that they're tombs, almost none, in fact. There's some controversy around a particular glyph in the in the Great Pyramid. Uh, it's very difficult to get up there, but there is a glyph up there that supposedly says Khufu. There's a lot of speculation that that was carved by Howard Bice. It's a long story, but there's, it's very suspect. No bodies have ever been found in them. No glyphs have been found in them, nor in the other um, pyramids, for that matter. It was, the megalithic uh, ones that suggest Thoughts that they're a tomb, that king's names aren't them. on them. We know what old kingdom tombs look like. There are old kingdom tombs at the Giza Plateau, covered in glyphs. There's no evidence that... The It was uh, Thoth who built the pyramids, <coughs> and that's what he said in the Emerald Tablet. Chin Chi Huang and the meeting he had with these Wan Chu citizens. This is a quote. The people of the country of Wan Chu reached China, were 10 feet tall, and covered their bodies with the feathers of birds and animals. And Chin Shi Huang talked to them about the beginning of heaven and earth, and they knew it as if they had seen it with their own eyes. These people had an amazingly efficient form of energy. They only needed something that resembled a cone or corn which can light a whole room. If that object was thrown into a small river stream, it can light the entire stream for 10 miles. And the meeting he had with these Wan Chu citizens. This is a quote. The people of the country of Wan Chu reached China, were 10 feet tall, and covered their bodies with the feathers of birds and animals. And Chin Shi Huang talked to them about the beginning of heaven and earth, and they knew it as if they had seen it with their own eyes. Wow. These people had an amazingly efficient form of energy. It only needed something that resembled a cone or corn, which can light a whole room. If that object was thrown into a small river stream, it can light the entire stream for 10 miles. Chin Shi Huang and the meeting he had with these Wan Chu citizens. This is a quote. The people of the country of Wan Chu reached China, were 10 feet tall, and covered their bodies with the feathers of birds and animals. And Chin Shi Huang talked to them about the beginning of heaven and earth, and they knew it as if they had seen it with their own eyes. These people had an amazingly efficient form of energy. It only needed something that resembled a wow. cone or corn, which can light a whole room. If that object was thrown into a small river stream, it can light the entire stream for 10 miles.
Emperor Qin Shi Huang and the meeting he had with these Wan Chu citizens. This is a quote. The people of the country of Wan Chu reached China for 10 feet tall and Wan covered Chu. their bodies with the... Where was Wan Chu? Where was... Where is Wang Chu? <laughs> what the fuck is Wang Chu? I'm going to share this. Facebook. Amazing. were 10 feet tall and covered their bodies with the feathers of birds and animals and Qin Shi Huang talked to them about the beginning of heaven and earth and they knew it as if they had seen it with their own eyes. These people had an amazingly efficient form of energy. They only needed something that resembled a cone or corn which can light a whole room. If that object was thrown into a small river stream, it can light the entire stream for 10 miles. <clears throat> the cool. oldest piece of literature. By the way, this is Lost Truths. YouTube Shorts. Lost Truths. Yes. By the way, thanks for 173K. And uh, shout out to KMP Student Radio at University of Arizona. And uh, Radio, 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 <laughs> the oldest piece of literature known to us right now is a Sumerian text known as the Kesh Temple The Kesh Temple Hymn. And it's a strange text. Kush. It's about something from around 4,000 to 3,000 years old. It's basically just these gods, and they, they call them the Anunnaki in the text. These Anunnaki putting together some kind of ritual or ceremony. And so right alongside the Kesh Temple Hymn, we have the Enkian World Order text, which is just as old. And what it is is the god Enki constructing society to kind of like 
uh, appointing all these other gods to their positions in society. Like, okay, you're going to take care of this farm, you're going to take care of agriculture, and this, this, and that. And so in, in my book, I conclude that these people, these Anunnaki, weren't aliens, they weren't interdimensional travelers. These beings were just survivors. They were survivors of the cataclysm, and they were savvy and clever enough to rewrite themselves in history as the gods oldest piece of literature known to us right now is the Sumerian text known as the Kesh Temple Hymns. And it's a strange text. It's about something somewhere around 4,000 to 3,000 years old. It's basically just these gods, and they, they call them the Anunnaki in the text. These Anunnaki putting together some kind of ritual or ceremony. And so right alongside the Kesh Temple Hymn, we have the Enkian World Order text, which is just as old. And what it is, is the god Enki constructing society. It's kind of like uh, appointing all these other gods to their positions in society like okay you're gonna take care of this farm you're gonna take care of agriculture and this this and that and so in, in my book i conclude that these people these Anunnaki weren't aliens they weren't interdimensional travelers these beings were just survivors they were survivors of the cataclysms and they were savvy and clever enough to rewrite themselves in history as the gods the Anunnaki the are piece everywhere. Of literature known to us hmm. right now is the Sumerian text known as the Kesh Temple Hymn. And it's a strange text. It's about something somewhere around 4,000 to 3,000 years old. It's basically just these gods, and they, they call them the Anunnaki in the text. These Anunnaki putting together some kind of ritual or ceremony. And so right alongside the Kesh Temple Hymn, we have the Enkian World Order text, which is just as old. And what it is is the god Enki constructing society. It's kind of like... Enki and World Order text. To their positions in society, wow. like, okay, you're going to take care of this farm, you're going to take care of agriculture, and this, this, and that. And so in, in my book, I conclude that these people, these Anunnaki, weren't aliens, they weren't interdimensional travelers. These beings were just survivors. They were survivors of the cataclysms, and they were savvy and clever enough to rewrite themselves in history as the gods. Oldest piece of literature known to us right now is the Sumerian text known as the Kesh Temple Hymns. And it's a strange text. It's about something somewhere around 4,000 to 3,000 years old. It's basically just these gods, and they, they call them the Anunnaki in the text. These Anunnaki putting together some kind of ritual or ceremony. And so right alongside the Kesh Temple Hymn, we have the... I think what we're looking at with these precision statues, and in particular the giant ones, but I think this also applies to things like Khafre Enthroned and a few of the smaller statues, I think these are inherited and I think we're looking at the remnants of how that builder culture that the Egyptians ancestors represented themselves. This is like sort of an example for machining of the same curve curvature being used on the face. There's another image that shows you a reverse transparency uh, of this same head where it's it's basically you take a photo and you mirror flip it on the uh, on the vertical and then you make them both 50% transparent and it's identical. It's neither a characteristic of a human face nor is it something that's achievable with just carving into granite by hand when there's zero mistakes and by and remember that there's lots of these. I think what we're looking at with these precision statues and in particular the giant ones but I think this also applies to things like Khafre Enthroned and a few of the smaller statues I think these are inherited and I think we're looking at the remnants of how that builder culture that the Egyptians ancestors represented themselves. This is like sort of an example for machining of the same curve curvature being used on the face. There's another image that shows you a reverse transparency uh, of this same head where it's it's basically you take a photo and you mirror flip it on the uh, on the vertical and then you make them both 50% transparent and it's identical. It's neither a characteristic of a human face 
nor is it something that's achievable with just carving into granite by hand when there's zero mistakes. And, by, and remember that there's lots of these. I think what we're looking at with these precision statues, and in particular the giant ones, but I think this also applies to things like Khafre Enthroned and a few of the smaller statues, I think these are inherited. And I think we're looking at the remnants of how that builder culture that the Egyptians... Graham Hancock is wrong about the Orontes Phineas map as well, and it is worse than last time. The alleged Antarctica is 20 degrees out of place. The South Pole is over 1,000 miles out of place. It is 230% too big in the 600-mile gap between South America and Antarctica, which is known to have existed for millions of years, is non-existent. On top of this, to the north of the supposed frozen continent, we can see the islands of Java and Timor. What do we find south of these islands that would just so Timor. happen to be a perfect fit here? Australia. And if we match up the northern coast of Australia with the corresponding part of the map, we can see this. The map even accurately depicts two islands in the Gulf of Carpentaria, Mornington Island in the south and Groot Island in the northwest. This is not Antarctica. Graham Hancock is wrong about the Orontes Phineas map as well, and it is worse than last time. The alleged Antarctica is 20 degrees out of place. The South Pole is over 1,000 miles out of place. It is 230% too big in the 600-mile gap between South America and Antarctica, which is known to have existed for millions of years, is non-existent. On top of this, to the north of the supposed frozen continent, we can see the islands of Java and Timor. What do we find south of these islands that would just so happen to be a perfect fit here? Australia, and if we match up the northern coast of Australia with the corresponding part of the map, we can see this. The map is covering this mind-blowing content. part of the map. Graham Hancock is wrong about the Pyrie Reese map. It does not show Antarctica 300 years before its discovery. While I do believe in the likelihood of a lost civilization, this is not evidence of anything. Firstly, when we orient this part of the map as intended, which to my knowledge Hancock does not ever mention, this is north on this section of the map, and with that we can begin to match up parts of the coastline and islands along this area of South America. As well as this, when the text written on the map by Pyrie Reese himself is translated, the supposed Antarctic coast is described as hot and populated by snakes. Sounds much more like South America. The Orontius Phineas map is often used as backup for this theory, so I will dissect that one in the next video. Graham Hancock is wrong about the... So a lot of the things that are really super megalithic and really old were there, they inherited those things. If you go to Mexico, where the Teotihuacan complex is located, which is a mirror of the Giza Plateau with three pyramids lining with Orion, the Pyramid of San Pedro's and so forth, those products were there before the Mayans got there. And even the Mexicans will tell you that the Mayans built nothing. But when you go to the ancient text, you find out who built it. Both the Atlantean, who ruled over the land of Kim, ancient Egypt, he left because of battling with his brother, and he went to Mesoamerica, and he took all things with him, and they kick-started to build evidence is all there is all the tablets. If you go to the Library of Congress, there's two gigantic doors and they have both the Atlantean on one side and over the other. 
So a lot of the things that are really super megalithic and really old were there. They inherited those things. If you go to Mexico, where the Teotihuacan complex is located, which is a mirror of the Giza Plateau, three pyramids lining with Orion, the Pyramid of Sun, Pyramid of Moon, and so forth. Those structures were there before the Mayans got there. And even the Mexicans will tell you that the Mayans built nothing. But when you go to the ancient text, you find out who built it. Thoth the Atlantean, who ruled over the land of Kem, ancient Egypt, he left because of battling with his brother, and he went to Mesoamerica, and he took Olmecs with him, and they kick-started and built the Teotihuacan civilization. So the evidence is all there. It's all in tablets. If you go to the Library of Congress, there's two gigantic doors, and they have both the Atlantean on one side and Odin on the other. They know who this guy is. So a lot of the things that are really super megalithic and really old were there. They inherited those things. I'm going to, I'm taking screenshots. But these histories tell of a mighty power which unprovoked made an expedition against the whole of Europe and Asia and to which your city put an end. This power came forth out of the Atlantic Ocean, for in those days the Atlantic was navigable. And there was an island situated in front of the straits, which are by you called the Pillars of Heracles. The island was larger than Libya and Asia put together and was the way to other islands. And from these, you might pass to the whole of the opposite continent, which surrounds the true ocean. And there it is, right over there. It's almost as if he's saying these Egyptians knew about the presence of North America. But these histories tell of a mighty power which unprovoked made an expedition against the whole of Europe and Asia and to which your city would end. This power came forth out of the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, you're, For you're, in those you're, days the Atlantic was navigable. And there was an island situated in front of the straits, which are by you called the Pillars of Heracles. The island was larger than Libya and Asia put together and was the way to other islands. And from these, you might pass to the whole of the opposite continent, which surrounds the true ocean. And there it is, right over there. It's almost as if he's saying these Egyptians knew about the presence of North America. For these histories tell of a mighty power, which unprovoked made an expedition against the whole of Europe and Asia, and to which your city put an end. This power came forth I think out of the Atlantic Ocean. You are. For in those days the Atlantic was navigable. And there was an island situated in front of the straits, which are by you called the Pillars of Heracles. You mean your city? The island was larger than Libya and Asia put together and was the way to other islands. And from these, you might pass to the whole of the opposite continent, which surrounds the true ocean. And there it is, right over there. It's almost as if he's... Trying to think of what he's saying. Great. Greg. Oh, scared of Greg. My uh, cousin, Great, cool. He's with me. The hell? What the hell? Hey, these Egyptians knew about the presence of North America. 
for these histories tell of a mighty power which unprovoked made an expedition against the whole of Europe and Asia into which your city put an end. This power came forth out of the Atlantic Ocean, for in those days the Atlantic was navigable. And there was an island situated in front of the straits, which are by you called the Pillars of Heracles. The island was larger than Libya and Asia put together and was the way to other islands. And from these, you might pass to the whole of the opposite continent, which surrounds the true ocean. And there it is, right over there. It's almost as if he's saying these Egyptians knew about the presence of North America. But these in the king's chamber, there's a box again that they try to say it's a sarcophagus. It's not a sarcophagus. I'm six foot four. I can't fit in that box. Was. Sarcophagus, when you go to the museum, you see what a real sarcophagus is. These things are massive. The box is the exact dimensions, though, of the Ark of the Covenant. If you look into biblical text, for example, mm -hmm. there was this ark that Moses stole. Inside of this box is something that has so much radiation that you had to have on specific type of clothing, which is well described even in the Bible. When somebody didn't have it on in the Bible and they touched the ark, they would become very sick, their hair would fall out, their nose would bleed, their eyes would bleed, their fingernails would fall off. Radiation sickness. In the king's chamber, there's a box in there that they try to say it's a sarcophagus. It's not a sarcophagus. I'm six foot four. I can't fit in that box. Sarcophagus, when you go to the museum, you see what a real sarcophagus is. These things are massive. The well, that's pretty dang tall, though. Anyway, uh, yeah, I did share this. This is the exact dimensions, though, of the Ark of the Covenant. Billy Carson quotes Billy Carson Forbidden Knowledge. Hi there, buddies. Hi, baby girl. Hi, Julie. Hi, little Julie. Santa Cruz Southwest, a mountain. <laughs> ark of the Covenant. If you look into biblical text, for example, mm -hmm. there was this ark that Moses stole. Inside of this box is something that has so much radiation that you had to have on specific type of clothing, which is well described even in the Bible. When somebody didn't have it on in the Bible and they touched the ark, they would become very sick, their hair would fall out, their nose would bleed, their eyes would bleed, their fingernails would fall off. Radiation sickness. 
In the king's chamber, there's a box in there that they try to say it's a sarcophagus. The labyrinth was this sort of thousand-room structure that was supposedly just absolutely magnificent. You could have fit all of the temples of Karnak and Luxor and all of the temples of Egypt into its footprint that was just lost to the sands of time. But it turns out we found it. It's at a site called Hawara in, in Egypt. A guy named Louis de Cordier did something called the Matahar Expedition. I think it was 2008. And they went and did ground penetrating radar and these other acoustic tests and a whole bunch of different tests at Hawara. And they found it. It was spread out across like multiple football fields on all sides of this pyramid and on all sides of this canal. Thing is absolutely massive. Unfortunately, his entire report was suppressed. Louis de Cordier said it was Zahi Hawass suppressed it and it was buried. The labyrinth was this sort of thousand-room structure that was supposedly just absolutely magnificent. You could have fit all of the temples of Karnak and Fucking Luxor and all of the temples Hawass. of Egypt into its Cow footprint. Ass. That was just lost to the sands of time. Fucking Zawi Hawass. Zawi Hawass. and Luxor and all of the temples of Egypt into its footprint that was just lost to the sands of time. But it turns out we found it. Cover. It's at a site called Hawara in, in Egypt. What? A guy named Louis de Cordier did something called the Matahar Expedition. I think it was 2008. And they went and did ground penetrating radar and these other acoustic tests and a whole bunch of different ground tests at Hawara. Radar. And they found it. It was spread out across like multiple football fields on all oh. sides of this pyramid and on all sides of this canal. The thing is absolutely massive. Unfortunately, his entire report was suppressed. Louis de Cordier said it was Zahi Hawass suppressed it and it was buried. The Zahi. labyrinth was this... In the uh, Sumerian Funky. tradition and in the surviving texts, there is uh, reference to what are called the seven antediluvian sages. Go over to India uh, and we have the seven rishis. Uh, so this, this number keeps on cropping up. What I think we're looking at uh, is more evidence that there was uh, a, a high civilization that we have lost track of, that we truly are a species with amnesia. In uh, yeah. Inside the Serapium, you have 25 of these things, which are these single-piece, like, 100-ton granite boxes. They're insane. So if you, if you assume one person can pull 200 kilograms, then you need 150 people to pull a 50-ton load. So you're trying to cram 150 people into these tunnels, it just it's doesn't impossible. make it. It's impossible. And some of the examples of precision are absolutely remarkable. You have perfect 90 degree corners in some of the boxes. Chris Dunn went to like a granite processing company and said, hey, could you make us one of these boxes? And they're right. like, well, the way they'd make it is they'd cut like five slabs and then bolt them together, you know, like a floor and then four walls and they'd bolt it together into a box. These are single pieces.
Inside the Serapium, you have 25 of these things, which are these single-piece, like, 100-ton granite boxes. They're insane. So if you, if you assume one person can pull 200 kilograms, then you need 150 people to pull a 50-ton load. So you're trying to cram 150 people into these tunnels, it just doesn't it's make impossible. It, it's impossible. And some of the examples of precision are absolutely remarkable. You have perfect 90 degree corners in some of the boxes. Chris Dunn went to like a granite processing company and said, hey, could you make us one of these boxes? And they're right. like, well, the way they'd make it is they'd cut like five slabs and then bolt them together, you know, like a floor and then four walls and they bolt it together into a box. These are single pieces. Inside the Serapium, you have 25 of these things, which are these... Professor James Gates, Jr. of University of Maryland, former scientific advisor to President Obama, they put together a team, and they started analyzing what is the ether of space-time, what is this soup that we're living in, that we're inhabiting this universe. They discovered something called Adenkra codes, which go back to the ancient Dogon tribe from Mali, Africa, the original inhabitants of the land of Kemp. They discovered that these patterns are actually mathematical codes. They're actually the codes that describe the ether of space-time itself. They're error-correcting codes, the same exact codes that run our search engines and web browsers. It's the same code that runs the universe. So we wow. discovered that we're living in a programmed light matrix. Hmm. Professor James Gates, Jr. Wow. of University of Maryland, former scientific advisor to President Obama, he put together a team and they started analyzing what is the ether of space-time. What is this soup that we're living in that we're inhabiting this universe? They discovered something called Adenkra codes, which go back to the ancient Dogon tribe from Mali, Africa, the original inhabitants of the land of Kemp. He discovered that these patterns are actually mathematical codes. They're actually the codes that describe the ether of space-time itself. They're error-correcting codes, the same exact codes that run our search engines and web browsers. It's the same code that runs the universe. So we discovered that we're living in a programmed light matrix. Professor James Gates Jr. Mm. of University James of Maryland, Gates, former, the Anunnaki, well the term itself means those who came from heaven to earth. These are the... You're still there. Yes, you are. Hello, darlings. Anunnaki, well the term itself means those who came from heaven to earth. These are the original Atlanteans. Well, they created an Atlantean civilization. How do I know this? The tablets, the MO tablets of both. Because it's talking about the, the gentleman that ruled over the land of Cam before it was called Egypt for 14,000 years. He left behind these tablets that he authored himself. He talks about the Great Flood. He talks about civilization declining and having to be brought back to a high level. Where Jesus is talking in the Bible, I have side by side the verses from the Bible and the verses from both the Atlantean. Let's start. They're the same. Anunnaki, well, the term itself means those who came from heaven to earth. These are the original Atlantean people. They created an Atlantean civilization. How do I know this? The tablets, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. Because it's talking about the, the gentleman that ruled over the land of Cam before it was called Egypt for 14,000 years. He left behind these tablets that he offered himself. He talks about the Great Flood. He talks about civilization declining and having to be brought back to a high level. Where Jesus is talking in the Bible, I have side by side the verses from the Bible and the verses from both the Atlantean. Guess what? They're the same. Anunnaki, well, the term itself means those who came from heaven to earth. These are the original Atlantean people. They created an Atlantean civilization. How do I know this? The tablets, the Emerald Tablets of Thoth. Because it's talking about the, the gentleman that ruled over the land of Kem before it was called Egypt for 14,000 years. He left behind these tablets that he offered himself. He talks about the Great Flood. He talks about civilization declining and having to be brought back to a high level. Where Jesus is talking in the Bible, I have side by side the verses from, from the Bible and the verses from 
both the Atlantean. Guess what? They're the same. There you go. The term itself means those who came from heaven. These are the original Atlantean people. They created an Atlantean civilization. How do I know this? The town. These vases display remarkable engineering characteristics, also precision. And so there's a lot of challenges when it comes to making this sort of stuff. It is tremendously difficult. So it's very hard to explain with the primitive tools and technology that we know those people have. It either means there was a whole other technology and, and engineering process available to them that we have no evidence for, or the timing's off. So many of these have been found, like 40 to 50,000 of them yeah. were found beneath one pyramid. The mainstream um, Egyptologists have been forced to admit that, okay, most of these were probably inherited. These vases display remarkable engineering characteristics. Yep. These vases display... The Anunnaki, Professor James Gates Jr., the Anunnaki... These vases display... the beginning, Bummer. Okay, hold on. Hmm... Did I see them all? We say their tombs, and Google might say their tombs. Yeah. According to the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, the Olmecs were these Africans that left. They were stonemasons that came across with Thoth. He's also known as Dahudi or Jehudi in Africa. Masons. They came here with him long before the Mayans even arrived, long before Christopher Columbus. These people were here so long ago, there's even records of them doing trade back and forth between here and Africa with the indigenous peoples that were here too. There's a book, I believe it's called Before Columbus. It has a lot of great sources to document and prove that this culture had arrived here hundreds of years before the Mayans even existed. The mainstream wants you to think this stuff was so recent, but the evidence give us a date that goes way further back than what we have. According to the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, the Olmecs were these Africans that... The Dogon people of Mali, West Africa, have roots in ancient Egypt, but for centuries their home has been Mali. French anthropologist Marcel Griol interviewed their elders. The elders spoke in detail about ancient tutors called the Nomos, strangely similar to the reptilian amphibious Atkalu remembered by the Babylonians. The Dogon elders had advanced astronomical information to share. They spoke of the rings of Saturn and the moons of Jupiter. They also had information about a triple star system, Sirius A, B, and C. When Griol asked how the Nomos had known about Sirius C, they replied, the Nomos lived on a planet that orbits Sirius C. The Dogon people of Mali, West Africa, have roots in ancient Egypt, but for centuries their home has been Mali. French anthropologist Marcel Griol interviewed their elders. The elders spoke in detail about ancient tutors called the Nomos strangely similar you find that these flood myths are all over the world so how do the reductionists explain that these were just regional events well it's interesting that when you read the details of these regional events and then you have this amazing correlation you have native american traditions where there's a great flood and the survivors built a great canoe then the standard explanation would be oh well they heard that from missionaries and then they grafted that into their religious tradition when you start looking at people particularly like george caitlin who wrote the book last rambles interestingly he visited over a period of whatever decades like a hundred different tribes 
reported the same thing. He said there's a whole diversity of traditions and languages and beliefs and stuff, but there is one thing that is consistent among every tribe he visited, and that was their belief that they were descended from ancestors who survived a great catastrophe. Find that these flood myths are all over the world. So how do the reductionists explain that? These were just regional events. Well, it's interesting that when you read the details of these regional events, and then you have this amazing correlation, you have Native American traditions where there's a great flood and the survivors built a great canoe. Then the standard explanation would be, oh, well, they heard that from missionaries and then they grafted that into their religious tradition. When you start looking at people, particularly like George Caitlin, he wrote the book Last Rambles. Interestingly, he visited over a period of whatever decade, like a hundred different tribes reported the same thing. He said there's a whole diversity of traditions and languages and beliefs. But there is one thing that is consistent among every tribe in this. That was their belief that they were descendants from ancestors who survived a great catastrophe. Find that these flood myths are all over the world. So how do the reductionists explain that? Nakash is, is a double meaning word. It, it can mean serpent, but it can also mean wise one. And the, whoever wrote the Bible, they did a lot of this on purpose. They used a lot of words that could be playful, and there was a surface-level understanding and a, and a more mystical, esoteric understanding. And um, if there ever was a Lucifer who was a, a fallen angel who tried to, like, uplift us, it was that person. In the Garden of Eden story, of course, the serpent, you know, tries to convince Eve to eat this. There's no depictions or scenes that really show him ever building those pyramids. There are, there are depictions in the tombs of the nobles of them showing them making mud bricks because after those stone pyramids you got to remember like that's one of the crazy things about those stone pyramids is that they're the first pyramids ever made like it went step pyramid straight to like my doom and then the bent pyramid red pyramid great pyramid they're the first pyramids these are the most precise giant structures after that they kept making pyramids according it just got to the shittier and shittier it just well they're all made from mud brick they do talk about building those they don't really talk about building any of the pyramids so you see the same thing there's a there's a for, for example there's a depiction of of them uh, moving a statue and it's like well see this is how they move the big statues. It's like, wait on. This depiction is of a statue that we know part of it still exists. It weighed about 56 tons. There's 180 guys here, and that statue's made of calcite. It's not made of granite. You can't use that to explain how they might have moved a thousand ton object, you know? You can move a 56 ton object with a bunch of guys dragging it on a sled. Good luck trying to do that with a thousand tons. No depictions or scenes that really show them ever building those pyramids. There are, there are depictions in the tombs of the nobles of them showing them making mud bricks. Because after those stone pyramids, you got to remember, like, that's one of the crazy things about those stone pyramids, is that they're the first pyramids ever made. Like, it went step pyramid straight to, like, my doom, and then the bent pyramid, red pyramid, great pyramid. They're the first pyramids. These are the most precise and giant structures. After that, they kept making pyramids. They just got shittier and shittier. It just, well, they're all made from mud brick. They do talk about building those. They don't really talk about building any of the pyramids. So you see the same thing. There's a, there's a for, for example, there's a depiction of, of them uh, moving a statue. And it's like, well, see, this is how they move the big statues. It's like, wait on. This depiction is of a statue that we know part of it still exists. It weighed about 56 tons. There's 180 guys here, and that statue's made of calcite. It's not made of granite. You can't use that to explain how they might have moved a thousand ton object, you know? You can move a 56 ton object with a bunch of guys dragging it on the sled. <laughs> Good luck trying to do that with a thousand tons. So, in the tablets, they don't... There's no depictions or scenes that really show them ever building those pyramids. There are, there are depictions in the tombs of the nobles of them showing them making mud bricks. 
because after those stones... So in the tablets, they don't actually make a human being from like dirt and dust like it says in the Bible. What they did was there was an existing hominid already on this planet. <laughs> so the Egypti right. was getting ready to go to war. There was going to be a coup against the kings of Earth. They fell from heaven to Earth. They came from Mars down to Earth to go to war. In the Atahasis, they encircled the camp in Africa of Enlil and Enki and Anu, who was their father. And they get ready to go to battle because the working conditions are harsh. They've been working for 250,000 years on their own. They call the years in shards. So they, it was a lower number, but each one shard is 3,600 years. So what you added up is 250,000 years. And they felt like they were becoming slaves, even though they were volunteers. And so the war almost happened. But then Enki, who's Enlil's brother, says, I have an idea. There's an existing being here, not homo sapien, something else was here already. We can add our essence to it and get it to do your labor. And an agreement was made. This is in the Enuma Elish and a totally separate tablet called the Atrahasis tablet. Two separate tablets I saying the same exact study thing. Study this. Oh, and the tablets. They don't actually make a human being from like dirt and dust like it says in the Bible. What the three girls, Katya, Liliani, and Valkyria, and they were going through a little field on the outskirts of town, and they saw this creature in broad daylight crouched against a cinder block wall. It had spindly arms and legs, like a brown, oily skin, almost like a kidney or something. They went running home to their mother, and they were like, they thought it was something of the devil. About an hour later, there were two military guys on patrol. Marco, Chuizi, and Herflokes saw this creature run across the road in front of him. Marco jumps out the passenger door and grabs this thing in his bare hands. And he puts it in the back seat on his lap. And they take it initially to a clinic in the town of Virginia that ultimately ended up in Humanitas Hospital. And we have testimony from doctors that performed certain things, as well as... Uh, military guys that drove the creature. Three girls, Katya, Lilia. The Egyptians themselves call themselves a legacy culture. So they, they describe two time periods before the dynastic civilization. The oldest one's called Zeptepi. It's when the gods themselves walked to the earth. They had mystical capabilities. It went for like 25,000 years. Those were the gods that then get worshipped as gods in their pantheon. They supposedly walked the earth and then... After they went away, for whatever reason, there's a, a time called uh, Shemsu Hor, or the followers of Horus. Again, these semi-divine mystical beings with all of these crazy powers that you could interpret as magic or technology, and they reign for like 15,000 years. They have these king's lists of, of these rulers that then it's, it adds up to like 15,000 years for the Shemsu Hor, and like 25,000 years for Zeptepi, and then Menes is the first king of the first dynasty, and it goes right on. It's our academics that decide that, you know what, Menes, that's actually where the history starts, and before that's all myth. The Egyptians themselves call themselves a legacy culture, so they, they describe two time periods before the dynastic civilization. The oldest one's called Zeptepi. It's when the gods themselves walked to the earth. They had mystical capabilities. It went for like 25,000 years. Those were the gods that then get worshipped as gods in their pantheon. They supposedly walked the earth, and then... After they went away, for whatever reason, there's a, a time called uh, Shemsu Hor, or the followers of Horus. Again, these semi-divine mystical beings with all of these crazy powers that you could interpret as magic or technology, and they reign for like 15,000 years. They have these king's lists of, of these rulers that then it's, it adds up to like 15,000 years for the Shemsu Hor, and like 25,000 years for Zeptepi, and then Menes is the first king of the first dynasty, and it goes right along. And it's, it's our academics that decide, that, you know what, Menes, that's actually where the history starts, and before that's all myth. Hmm.
The Egyptians themselves call themselves a legacy culture. So they they for Chinchi Huang and the meeting he had with these the oldest piece of literature known to us right now is the Sumerian text known as the I think what we're looking the oldest piece of literature known to us right now is the Sumerian text known as the Kesh Temple Hymn. And Kesh it's a strange Temple text. Hymn. It's about something somewhere around four thousand to three thousand years old. It's basically just these gods and they, they call them the Anunnaki in the text. These Anunnaki putting together some kind of ritual or ceremony. According to World History Encyclopedia, the hymn describes the majesty and operation of the Temple of Kesh from its establishment by the god Enlil through eight houses, each ending with a triad of rhetorical questions. Will anyone else bring forth something as great as Kesh? Hmm? What does the Kesh Temple hymn say? <coughs> this is where this fucking thing would come in handy. My, uh... My, uh, Kesh Temple hymn... Liturgy's... To Nintud or liturgy to Nintud on the creation of man and woman is a Sumerian tablet written on clay tablets as early as 2600 BCE, 4600 years, along with the instructions of Shuripak. It is the oldest surviving literature in the world. Wow, that's pretty neat. Never even fucking heard of it. Hmm. What it what's in it? Compilation. Fragments of the text were discovered in the University of Pennsylvania Museum of Archaeology and Anthropology catalog of the Babylonian section from their excavations at the Temple Library at Nippur in modern day Iraq. When was that? One fragment of the text found on CBS tablet number 11876 was first published by Hugo Radau in Miscellaneous Sumerian Texts, number 8 in 1909. Translated by Stephen Herbert Langdon in 1915. Langdon published a translation from a 4x4x4x4-inches perforated four-sided Sumerian prism from Nippur and held in the Ashmolean in Oxford in Babylonian liturgies. Prism contains around 400, 145 lines in eight sections, similar to the hymn, hymn to Enlil. Langdon, Langdon called it a liturgy to Nintu, goddess of creation. Nintu, never even heard of this. Ninhur Sag. And noted that each section ended with the same refrain which he interpreted as referring to the creation of man and woman, the biblical Adam and Eve. Langdon translated two further fragments in 1914 and 17. The myth was developed with the addition of CBS 8384, translated by George Aaron Barton in 1918, and first published as Sumerian religious texts and miscellaneous Babylonian inscriptions. Number 11, entitled The Fragment of the So Called Liturgy and into blah 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 blah. Let's see what's in it. So far as the writer can see, there's no allusion in the text to the creation of man. 
Uh, Bart, Bart argued for the abandonment of the myth subtitle. You know, it's only allusion to the goddess who called Nintu as the mother of mankind. He suggested apparently the text celebrated the primitive or very early conditions of some town. Sounds like he's trying to fucking cover up. What's fucking in it? Possibly the founding and growth. Well, Trista, why don't you look it up? Take it. Um, exercise for your sister. Put your money where your mouth is. Go to the UCLA CUNEA form. Uh, then put in that number. Translate an exceptionally archaic version of him from Tel Abusalabik. He does data dispersion to around 2600 BCE based upon similarities to tablets found in Sherpak. Blah blah blah, the bigs, blah blah blah, yeah, come on man, what's in it? Discussion. Further reading. Perhaps, blah blah blah. Cement version of the kitchen, which seems. Cash temple ring. External links. And song of the hoe. <laughs> Him to Enlil. Well, come on, Trista. What are you leaving us for? There's a Sumerian myth written on clay tablets in the late third millennium. Feather, feather robed and turbaned archer figure of Ashur. A later development of Enlil. Superimposed on a sun disk. That's pretty neat. Looks like he's wearing a fucking kilt, don't it? Yeah, that's amazing. Back in, back in, back in kilts. He's wearing falcon kilts. Him to Enlil. Is a hymn written in the Sumerian dialect on a tablet dedicated to the wife of a moon god? What religion is it? Kesh Temple hymn. Sumerian praise song to the goddess Nin Hursag. There you go. I was right. And her temple in the city of Kesh. Composed in eight sex words, cut. 
Cush, I think. Maybe. Where's Cash? What does the Sikh practice of Cash mean? In Sikhism, Cash, sometimes Cat, uh, you know, is the practice of allowing one's hair to grow naturally out of respect for the perfection of God's creation. Out of respect for the perfection of God's creation. There you go, here's the argument to always have long hair. Can six shave their pubes? That's interesting that, uh, wow, same words. <laughs> Can seek shave their pubes. Indigenous. Is there such thing as an indigenous Twitter, I wonder? Trending. Indigenous is trend in people's day is trending, so let's work. Let's do that. There's perfect argument for anyone. Who wants to grow their hair as long as it can grow? Talk, talking to you, men. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead and grow your hair out. In native trackers. Native trackers. When they cut their hair, when, um, when forced to cut their hair. CDF at Tahono Communication, Pasqua.
Yaki, Indigenous Road Warriors, Yaki, Community News, Yaki, Pascal Yaki Tribe. So cool. Navajo Nation. Navajo tweets. Navajo Nation Council. Hopi Tribe. Oh, this is wonderful. Like in uh, the Hopi Tribe. Wow. We're on Twitter. <laughs> Search Network. Deb Halen, not Doug Halen. Deb. <laughs> Deb Halen, no. Halen. Halen, there she is. Deb Halen's NM. It's for Todd. Okay, two more people. Pop up, you know? Mmm, pop up. Uh, pop up. There we go. Good enough. Goddesses creation actually in her side. Nin her sag. It's her fucking mother. Nin her sag. Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> And Father's Day. Probably Cro-Magnon. Perhaps. No. Perhaps. No, it's like homo. Homo. Yeah. 
in the choppers, man. <laughs> Neanderthal, Neanderthal, or Cro-Magnon, man. Those are daddy's. Hi, cutie pie. Hi, little girl. Hi, baby girl. How are you doing, huh?